0: Oh, hey, we're live. Cool. Welcome to WP Table, our uh, more or less weekly roundtable discussion uh, with a bunch of the developers talking about WordPress, best practices, and other developer stuff. Uh, so I'm joined with Jason and Bronson, and I think this week will be a bit more of a recap talking about the things we've been doing since the last time we had our somewhat weekly uh, discussion. Uh, most notably, I think, would be WordCamp New York, but uh, Jason, tell us what you've been up to lately.
1: Yeah. Um, well, like you said, I've been doing some uh, a lot of client work lately. Um, WordCamp New York was just this past weekend, so that was my first foray in speaking at a WordCamp, or really speaking in general. Um, so had some nerves, obviously, but uh, once I was up there, it was pretty good. You know, it wasn't it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I was more worried about like the uh, I don't know the tech working, like making sure the mic was go- good, that kind of stuff, more than like really what I was talking about. Um, but did have an interesting story since the, uh, the New York Marathon was just the same morning and uh, I actually couldn't get to the hotel so we had to park like two miles <laughs> south of the hotel and huff it all the way up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you had your own little mini marathon to get there. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, that was an event. So calling the organizers on the way while I was all out of breath trying to get up there. Luckily, I left early enough and made it there in time. So um, awesome. so that was that was interesting.
2: And how many tracks did they have this year? Because it's usually it's known for being a big WordCamp, lots of tracks.
1: Yeah, they had four. I guess that was the same as last year, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, four tracks, each borough getting represented, and Staten Island was there. It was the room
0: for the contributor day on Friday the day before. Those people that were like, you know, no Staten Island. It was there. It's okay. I didn't even realize. (laughs) Uh That's how easily we forget about that other borough, right? Yeah. It's forgettable.
2: (laughs) And what were your favorite talks, gents, for
0: what you saw? Uh, I only went to maybe three talks, I think. Uh, I saw uh, Tom Nowell talk about escaping and sanitization, uh, Aaron Jordan's insights on how sci-fi and fantasy can be related to WordPress and what we do in the open source community, and uh, Scott Taylor's
1: recap of everything that is and will be WordPress 4.4, so those were all excellent thoughts. Yeah, I would have to say Aaron's was probably my favorite, um, and Scott's was also very good. Uh, he could have definitely used like an hour and a half. Um, I would have liked to hear some more of his stuff, but um, those two were definitely my favorites.
2: Maybe we should try and see if we can get Scott on the show because
0: I think he's New York-based too, isn't he?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, he's only a few blocks away over in the Times building. Really cool. Yeah. That would be fun to have him, uh, maybe even Eric Lewis on who also works with him and also spoke over the weekend and yeah. just talked on HTTPS definitely a useful one for uh, the future of the web and web security. Mm -hmm. And uh, Eric Lewis and I, well, mostly Eric Lewis, uh, we did a uh, kind of a workshop meetup a couple weeks ago on a Saturday morning, so we got to do the bagels and coffee and have kind of a nice hands-on environment for more or less a dry run of what his talk was over the weekend. Uh, Other than me oversleeping and them having to work out of a Starbucks for half the time, I think it went well. Then we came back (laughs) over here to the office and... Good bagels
1: and coffee, so that was fun. <laughs> yeah, so I mean that you know that was that was that was a good event. There was lots of people, as always. Um, the other thing that I was actually, <laughs> I don't know if it was working on or just really moving, was uh, the decision to um, shut down WP Field Guides or mm-hmm. kind of shut it down. Um, I'm just kind of repurposing it in a different manner now, where instead. Um, could have kind of given it out as content on blog posts, you know, under my normal blog. Uh, just as some of the things that I had found out with that was just not necessarily that, you know, it didn't sell as well as I thought it would. Um, you know, but there was definitely some interest and I would get pinged by a lot of people about it and things like that. And the newsletter was decent size as well. So I just felt that instead of kind of putting up that paywall, you know, I could use that in a different way and kind of share that information still out with the community. Um, and being that it was kind of like my blog and field guides was kind of putting out the same content, so to speak, um, and kind of like fighting, the you know, the tug-of-war battle between me coming up with blog posts anyway, um, I just figured that let me do this, and um <clears throat> which, was, which was actually kind of funny because uh, WPMU's daily newsletter picked it up and uh, one morning, all of a sudden, I was getting all of this traffic, and I was getting notices because every time somebody downloaded downloaded a field guide, because I, you know, it's for free now, I would get a notification on it. And I really thought that I was getting like, like I don't know, attacked or <laughs> tons of spam or what was going on. I didn't know what was going on until I found somebody on Twitter that was shared shared the link, and he kind of, because I I wasn't a subscriber to that newsletter, so. Um, but that was interesting morning, to say the least, because it was all direct traffic, and I was like, okay, so this isn't a referral, this isn't somebody, <laughs> how, what's going on here? <laughs> so, but that was that was interesting for for three days. I actually wound up doubling my mailing list just by doing, you know, just by doing that and getting wow. picked up. So,
0: very cool. What have you been up to, Bronson?
2: Um, I had a holiday for about a month and a bit probably why the show lost a bit of momentum. <laughs> um, yeah, and other than that, I've been back back to it at work doing lots of client work so we've got yeah, quite a few interesting projects on. Um, we'll probably all delve a little bit deep into, into our projects because I think it's interesting to talk about what we're up to with WordPress to inspire people and talk about unusual things, learn from each other. Um, so one of the ones that I've been working on is for a real estate agent company and um, they've got. So basically they sell retirement villages and properties within those villages, oh sorry, yeah, they have retirement villages and they have properties in there. So we've got some custom post types in there, got a lot of uh, relationships that we're using post to posts for, uh, got a custom search, there's some custom XML feeds, uh, we also had to import all their content from Joomla into WordPress, um, so there was some tricky WP CLI scripts there. We're also using Site Origin's Page Builder plugin because uh, this client actually wanted a bit more control um, over a lot of pages. They have a lot of landing pages internally as well. Uh, so we had to build out a whole bunch of widgets for them. And I don't know if you guys have used Site Origin Page Builder before, have you?
1: Yeah, I have. How? how I found my clients thought it was way overwhelming, though. Did you restrict what they could do with it, or you kind of just left it open?
2: Um, kind of left it open. We actually built a lot of custom widgets on top of this. This the client's fairly tech-savvy. Um, okay. And, yeah, so we found ourselves, and she had really specific requirements. So there was a bunch of custom post types that we had to create for this. And, of course, to give her access to do things with those custom post types, we actually had to build custom site origin page builder widgets. Mm-hmm. I think we ended up building about 10 in total. Um, the good thing about it is... Um, Greg, who makes it, has documented how to build your own widgets really well, and they're quite simple to build. Yep. Um, so, we yeah, pushed out a whole bunch of those. We did have an interesting situation where we had to build an importer. Because um, we had, yeah, from Joomla into WordPress, it would come in and it would just be straight in the content originally. But Site Origin Page Builder actually doesn't store its content in the page content, it uses Site Meta and it's in a serialized array. So we then had to build another kind of importer-exporter that would take it out of the content, kind of look over it using regex, and then serialize it, then pop it into widgets. So that was a little bit crazy. So Jay, one of our team members, decided to tackle that one. He did it in an unusual way too. So rather than doing it in PHP, he actually used Node, and he did it directly um, into the MySQL. And yeah, because he did it that way too, it could uh, rather than doing individual posts um, pages at a, one at a time. It could actually do them all at once. So, um, for example, one of the content types was the properties, and there were two thousand properties. And by doing this in Node, it only took six seconds to do all of that. Whereas if we'd done it in PHP, you can imagine how long it would have taken. So, ah, yeah, pretty, pretty unusual, cool. pretty unusual project, and yeah, some tricky challenges for all of us and the team. Thanks. Hmm. Nice. That's one of them. What about you, Tom? What
0: have you been up to? Uh, a lot of my past. Month or couple months has been uh, working on planning WordCamp New York, so I was one of the organizers for that, and I ran the Contributor Day on Friday, so that worked out really well. How uh, would you find it? It was an interesting and rewarding experience. Uh, I definitely slept well each night of the WordCamp, to say the least. <laughs> uh, but we had a great group of people that came out for Contributor Day. A lot of team leads and members of you know different teams in uh, the WordPress community. So they were able to go and help a lot of people get set up and start contributing to whatever area of WordPress they wanted to get involved in. So that worked out really good. Um, And then I I didn't have to really do a whole lot during the actual days of the WordCamp itself, you know, help people if they had questions or couldn't find where they were going, that kind of thing. Uh, But uh, that, that was more or less the gist of it and it was a great time. So hopefully I'll be involved in the organizing next year Uh, If not, I'm sure, you know, some great people will take it over and run with it. It's always good to get new people involved in that process. But uh, the organizers, not just the organizers, uh, but the volunteers did a fantastic job too. Uh, So everything from emceeing the rooms to doing the video to uh, uh, everything else involved in running an event of, you know, 500 plus people like that. It was really fun and they did a fantastic job. Uh, WordPress-wise, like from a coding point, uh, I gave a talk on um, a bracket system that I built for the New York Post and their sites, uh, So like tournament brackets, like basketball tournaments or matching up characters from TV shows or comparing uh, e-commerce products against each other, that kind of stuff. Uh, so that was a fun talk and surprisingly I got a lot more uh, questions during the Q&A than I normally get, I guess. So I ended up using the full amount of time that I had, which is probably the first time in a long time that I've gone exactly two times. So yeah, that was fun. Uh, Coding-wise, I've started working with uh, underscore a lot more doing uh, not a, doing like mustache templates, and I've been using Gulp more instead of using Grunt. Uh, so that's been cool. I've enjoyed using Gulp a lot. It seems to be a lot more efficient, and uh, just do a better job overall it makes everything much cleaner
1: uh, and more optimized than using something like Grunt. Yeah, I found that as well. I, I switched over to Gulp maybe, I don't know, six months ago, and mm-hmm. same thing. It's faster, more efficient. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen anything where, you know, I was doing something in Grunt that I haven't been able to do in Gulp, so. Yeah, it seems like they both
0: offer the same types of packages, Yeah. So. You know, why not use the better tool?
1: Totally. Um, I'm wondering if you guys have kind of run into this, because I've I've started really ramping up my clients, whether they know it or not, more into, you know, CI, continuous integration and things like that. So um, I've used Bitbucket for a long time, um, I don't know if you guys have had some issues with it lately. Maybe over the past couple of months or not. I've just found that, you know, like the webhooks and things like that, like going out to Slack or even just, you know, for certain deployment processes with Jenkins and things like that, it's not picking it up. And then, obviously, CI goes down, you know, or doesn't get completed until it comes back. I don't, I don't know if you guys have used Bitbucket and if you have, have you seen that kind of experience before?
2: I've only used GitHub, so I don't
1: know about you, Tom. I'm mostly a GitHub kind of guy. Yeah, I think that's what what's happening. I'm, I'm I've started moving over to GitHub because of that, and I know Bitbucket's been great, you know, and they're, and they you know, it's a great service and everything else. But you know, the private repos. It's funny when you're using automation to try to make your life easier, and then you're like, well, why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? And then you realize you're not getting any notifications in Slack, and then you're chasing down something that's you know broken in the chain so
2: do you have any luck with their support contacting them or checking out their service status
1: I ping, yeah I mean I pinged their what was funny was I went to contributor day and I had a I had two calls with clients in the morning before I went there and you know obviously I had some deliverables to meet from the night before and so I you know committed my code kind of just expected it to happen which probably was a bad bad thing for me but um, kind of expected things to happen and wake up in the morning and it didn't happen and then you know obviously I went through uh, Bitbucket's you know support channels as they say um, checked their status page it was all green everything was good and then uh, I was like okay this is not good because I'm looking at the repository and I see the commits happening in the recent activities it was it wasn't up to date at all. So um, then once I got the contributor day, then the status page seemed to update that they knew that they were having some problems. Um, I reached out through their, you know, contact support. Um, I also reached through Twitter and things like that, but I had never actually got any response from them. Mm-hmm. Which was which was a little alarming. But at the same time for me I, it doesn't really matter. I don't actually look for a response. I just want them to fix it. <laughs> really. You know, that's that's all I really care about. Um, but, you know, so now I'm thinking like, okay, I've started moving some of my clients over to Bitbucket now. Uh ah, GitHub now, you know, and just pony up them you know, the money for the private repos. Mm-hmm.
2: And have you been finding Jenkins? Because I've only used Travis CI, so I'm curious to know what you think of Jenkins and so far.
1: Jenkins is good. I don't I don't know. I haven't really done too many hairy things with it, to be honest with you, but it's, it's fairly simple to set up um, and simple to use, too. So, um, you know, I know that there's plenty of power behind Jenkins as far as being able to deploy full systems and things like that, but yeah. I haven't gotten into that just yet. Okay.
2: And what about you, Tom? What do you guys use at Alley? Um, do you use Jenkins or Travis so, or
0: anything like that? Uh, we use Travis for some of our projects Uh, none of the projects that I'm currently on so I don't have a whole lot of involvement with them at the moment Uh, we also just write a lot of unit tests uh, in general on a lot of our projects and you can never have too many unit tests so I'm hoping we start writing a lot more Um, along with the unit tests one interesting thing that Scott Taylor mentioned during his talk was the Ajax unit tests that they have in core and one of the issues with Uh, doing core updates is that it takes forever for the Ajax unit tests to go through and it ends up that there are just a whole bunch of uh, tasks hooked on the init like checking if it needs to update core and plugins. and since it does a a build-up teardown for every test it runs that whole check on every test so it was causing everything to take a long time so one of the cool things he talked about was uh, how they went and fixed that so now AJAX unit tests will run blazingly mm-hmm. fast on uh, on doing the core stuff. Cool. Yeah, and that was totally a tangent from what you asked me. <laughs> of
1: knowing what I was going to say. <laughs> do, do you guys use uh, any, like, uh, behavioral tests or integration tests or anything like that? Like, I know there's Codeception out there which are actually kind of, like, mimicking clicks and things like that. Like, do you guys do anything like that? No, not yet.
2: I think um, Ryan's been working on some of that stuff in the past um, for Happy Tables, but mm-hmm. that's the only real project that I know where they've been experimenting with that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I did a lot of that stuff when I did Ruby on Rails, um, a lot of the BDD stuff, the behavioral-driven design. Um, I know for smaller, like, like my clients, more of the small business type stuff, I've been starting to look into that more because that's really the effect that they need, you know, whether or not they click on a buy button, do they get to the cart? When they click yeah. on checkout, do they get to the checkout page? That kind of stuff, um, you know. I've been starting to look into that a little bit over the past two weeks, three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really haven't really gotten too much into it, but I was curious your guys' thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, I think um, it makes a lot of sense for companies who make products so I think that's why we've been employing it to Happy Tables because there's obviously consistent behaviours and things that we expect and us testing it ourselves um, obviously is time consuming so yeah, I think that's products that for us make sense usually um, for client work, the client always we do internal QA of course, um, it's usually simple enough for us to do and then of course that gets passed on to the client. So. Uh, they got plenty of time to do testing and things like that so I think yeah for us makes sense for products but probably not client work as yet but depends mm-hmm. too I'm sure yeah. that could change in the future
1: because the thing I noticed with some of my clients is when I like I have one client that they take donations they also uh, do registration for events and things like that and there's a lot of user profile kind of stuff going on and sometimes we'll add features and I know that the the testing really is about like going through and clicking and making sure that you know obviously people can do what we're trying to do but then it's worrying about the regression stuff too, make sure mm-hmm. they will still be able to do the other stuff um, and I know you know with human intervention a lot of things like oh okay well that worked last week that's fine you know right? <laughs> and sometimes you know I, I'm trying to figure out a way that I can integrate some more behavioral test stuff with WordPress and, There's not too much out there on it, but Hmm. uh, maybe we'll find something.
2: The cool thing is, like, obviously, you'd be using WooCommerce a lot, and its behavior is fairly consistent across projects. So once you kind of work out the flow, all right, there are these pages. This is the flow that works. Get that down. Get it done in one project. It's pretty easy to then take that on to the next one, which is cool. It's just, I guess, the initial setup is going to take a lot of time, but the benefits in the end will definitely be worth it. Yeah. And what um, kind of client work have you been doing, Jason?
1: Um, A lot of different ones. I've actually kind of started, since I kind of rebranded myself, I guess, over the past year, um, kind of scaled back a little bit on the design and marketing firms and a lot more small businesses um, Mm -hmm. that are kind of more about the, you know, they they put something online to sell or make money or whatever to achieve their business goals. and then it's like 80% of the way there, right? Because it's just out of the box kind of stuff that they put up. But they know that it's working. Now they want to do if they really want to fit their business um, into it and do the custom work and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I've been doing a lot of WooCommerce subscriptions, um, customization type stuff as usual, um, a lot of Gravity Forms customization, especially with that one client. Um, you know, just uh, really get involved with that kind of, you know, being that, I guess, technical partner that they don't have. You know, they're not ready to hire a full-timer, but they need a little bit more than just, like, you know, out-of-the-box kind of, let's set up on GoDaddy kind of thing. Um, so, been doing that. Um, I also did start, um, Aaron kind of brought me on board just recently with Conde Nast, so doing a little work for them as well, so...
2: Awesome, that'll be fun. Yeah. Great to work with Aaron, he's a very smart guy. He uses lots of cool tools.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it'll be interesting to see, because I haven't had a, I haven't worked in a, such a large-scale environment with WordPress before, so it'll be hmm. interesting to see how WordPress integrates in the enterprise like that.
2: Yeah, cool. Do you know much about their deployment process? And Still, whether they have any automation?
1: That's yeah, they definitely, cool. they use Jenkins, they, you know, yep. they have you know, definitely a lot of automation. Um, Yeah, cool. And I really kind of just started there, you know, maybe two weeks ago. Um, And so I'm still ramping up on a lot of different things. Kind of like initially it was more of just learning what the repos were about, what the code base looked like, all the various systems, because they have a lot of custom systems behind the scenes that are, you know, interstitched with WordPress. Um, So understanding those, you know, those links in the chain, so to speak, and now mm-hmm. getting on to the real deployment stuff and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, cool. Um,
2: Tom, what about you guys, because I'm curious about deployments, because I've been playing around in the last couple of projects and using Deploybot for, um, we've got our own internal systems on AWS, we have our own custom deployments there that are pretty cool, but obviously sometimes clients want their to be hosted on certain things. So, for example, one client's on Pantheon and we wanted a good Deployment process there, so we've been using DeployBot for that. It's been pretty cool. Um, just wondering what you guys at Alley use for deployments. Do you have you tried DeployBot? Have you used anything like that?
0: So we use Pantheon's auto deploys a lot, and that's about as sophisticated as the deploy process goes for that. But it's pretty much all we need. I mean, yeah. auto deploys are pretty fantastic. Get the job done, yeah. streamline our process a lot. As previously, we had to go and keep multiple repositories synced together. And, merge things into them and push up so, you know, uh, on a weekly basis that definitely adds a bit of overhead. And then most of our clients are on VIP so we're, you know, stuck in the deploy queue there. Uh, Not that it's a long queue usually but go through the review process and then uh, we do have, like, Slack integrations to let us know when something was deployed.
1: That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. I've used Deploybot a lot, mainly for those clients that really don't care about that kind of stuff yeah. because they are hosted elsewhere, and I didn't really find... Initially, I was like, all right, I'm going to write crap-astronos scripts you know, for deployments and just own the whole thing, And then, yeah. <laughs> but then you never know, you know, like as far as you don't get SSH access into that server or you don't know how this service reacts react or something, so it's just... Deploybot was great for that, you know, and yeah. it's really customizable as far as, you know, what they're... They, they seem to add features like almost every other month to help you, you know, make it better, so.
2: Yeah, that's what I really like, too, because, yeah, I remember us talking a while back, we were both talking about maybe using Capistrano because we wanted a decent deploy system, but, yeah, I think DeployBot's filled that void for me, too. The cool thing that, the next thing that I want to experiment with, with it is um, how it's able to actually run your build tasks um, on a separate server, so it can do all your um, pre-processing, minification, all that kind of jazz. Um, main reason that appeals to me is because um, I don't know about you guys, but so, on some projects, if you've got multiple devs working on it and there's pull requests sitting there waiting for code review, you hit one of those, they're in. Then of course you go to another one, and then there's a merge conflict because the compressed CSS is needs to be rebuilt and pushed into the into that merge thing. So if you can get the compressed CSS out of your workflow, so it's not, you're never going to hit those issues. You're going to speed up. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to having that um, to get rid of that process just to speed up code review so there's nothing more annoying than going okay I've reviewed one and then you ping someone and say hey can you rebuild this and then I'll do code review just it only takes probably five minutes more but hey if you can get that five minutes down and it happens ten times a day that's almost an hour so. yeah
1: yeah they actually I think DeployBot's blog had a, a blog post about how they do that right yeah
2: Yep, correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so that's got me going. All right, I want to got to apply that, and then yeah, teach the other humans how how to do it. So when we use um, different hosts, we've got a set workflow there.
1: Do you do you actually trigger deploy bot on the commit message? Yeah, you know that they can do. Okay, so you do that too. That's pretty yeah. cool. When I found yeah. that out, I was like, oh, that's I don't even have to even go to this the site either to click the yep. button. I just do it in yep. the Deploy message. Yeah, and then message. it.
2: Then, it, yeah, then you get it to push into Slack, and it's like, hey, you've deployed this. You're like,
0: sweet, isn't it? Yeah. Very cool.
1: Very cool. So, Tom, I know that you were over in Europe for a little while, too. Yeah, how much stuff has happened since the last time we had a podcast?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I also had three kids in that time period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I went over. uh, We were working on the Politico Europe launch for their Pro product. Uh, So we went over there. Uh, The farmers had a strike in uh, Brussels. They drove like 1,200 tractors in there, blocked up the streets. They were shooting the police with cannons full of milk. Uh, The police were shooting the farmers with water cannons. Uh, So it was pretty intense. I went out for a walk one day at lunch, and uh, I guess I took a wrong left turn, and I ended up being between a barbed wire fence with a bunch of police and
1: riot gear and a bunch of farmers on my right. So, uh, What yeah, did that can, block smell like, if they were shooting cannons full of milk everywhere? <laughs> Milky?
0: <laughs> oh man, that st- stunk. Yeah. And, and then they were driving their tractors down the streets, beeping the horns and stuff, so it was unique. I, I haven't seen that in the States. <laughs> That's crazy. They also have like the best bread I've ever had, so any sandwich, no matter what's on it, is just like the best thing I've ever eaten. Um, so Brussels was good, uh, we did the launch over there. So I've been working on uh, Politico Europe since then a bit and uh, it's been fun and challenging. I've definitely been growing my, my skills a little bit uh, throughout the process, and maybe graying a couple of hairs here and there. So I uh, also, I noticed, Jason, you've gotten stickers since the last time, right? I see one <laughs> right in your mic stand?
1: Yeah, yeah, I got, uh, got a stickers.
0: Oh, it looks like your uh, lower third logo thing. Yep. Cool. Some branding, you know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> cool. And, yeah, I think, Jason, did you have, was it Megan Gray did your redesign? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it looks awesome. It looks yeah, really,
1: thanks. Really, really, cool. Yeah, she awesome. did a phenomenal job. I mean, she still pings me with, you know, ideas for things, you know. Um, awesome. Yeah, you know, she's been great, especially with the content, too, just the thinking mm. around instead of talking dev speak, talk client speak instead. Yep. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's been great.
2: Yeah, I've had a good look over your site and really impressed. Um, how long did the site build take? Because it's always hard to build your own, find time to build your own site.
1: Yeah, that was that was one of those things. Like I, and I felt bad because I knew Megan was anxious to get it up because I, you know, it was pretty much just creative freedom for her. I was like, listen, you're the expert. You know what looks good. You know what yep. I want. You know that kind of stuff. So um, it took a while. Only because you know client work and like you said, and then it was just all right. You know what? This day I'm getting it up. How long do I think you know it'll take to build? Really, it was just a matter of, I guess, probably about a week and a half of nights to really just put it all together, um, and then just the different layouts. Like, as far as the home page, mm-hmm. the home page took the longest because of the layout and making sure that that device, you know, various devices and all that. So I, and some devices, some Android devices, it still doesn't look great, but, you know, I don't really worry about it too much. But
2: Yeah, I find that with, with most builds, it's usually the home page that's the trickiest for, um yeah, your front-end layout and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I used... I decided to try out uh, bourbon and Neat back oh, system. Oh, how'd you find it? So I, that was actually really nice because I liked foundation, and that's usually what I always used. But the way that um, <clears throat> the way meat worked was very semantic, and I found myself after a while too with being late night <laughs> that I was like, okay, I started getting like div again, like where I didn't need to do that. And I, had, I was like, oh, why do you have all this garbage here? You know, let's remove this stuff, you know, and go back. And so it was really nice to actually work with that um yeah. and you know i i would definitely suggest you know giving that a look because for me anyway the reason why what went towards foundation was because my head was able to wrap around it better than like bootstrap or something else yeah. um, this was even easier than that and it was quicker to actually throw it out there on the page too so um, yeah, cool it was really and
2: what's the grid system like in there because i mean that's the main thing that it- Appealed to me about foundation. I love the grid system. It's so easy to get your head around it. Yeah. How does how do you do grids
1: with um, really? It's just it's that's what the neat component for the for it is. So you, you first bring in bourbon, and then you yep. bring in neat, and that I handles all the grid. And you just basically you just it's all semantic. So you just basically give it like you know section, article, aside and you define those as you know, right or left or however many columns, you span columns, whatever it is in the, in the, you don't have to add classes to the the individual markup, which is really nice.
0: Hmm, that sounds really cool.
1: Definitely have to give it a try. Have you used it, Tom?
0: No, I haven't. I'm kind of interested now. Uh, So you still get all the flexibility of maybe being able to do different things on different pages, even without having the specifics of class selectors?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's what was nice because the thing that I was finding difficult for, especially for my homepage, because like it's very grid, but like then they're offset, right? Mm. So I was having problem foundation kind of get trying to get that in a some sort of way, and it, at, at least in a neat way, um, no pun intended. But uh, then um, I forget. Actually, it was uh, Sean Melissus. Is it Sean? Julian. Julian. Um, he actually suggested that I try uh, neat and I was like okay let me take a look at that and it was because it's so independent of each other and it's so semantic that it just you know you just apply it to whatever you want it to apply to and then you know then I was able to easily get that offset you know for you know the proper proper, uh, rows and stuff like that so it was really actually really neat to work with I definitely would suggest if you have a complex grid to check that out Cool. We might have to. Stuff, um, um,
2: on your <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say we might have to um see if we can get access to your private repo for some learning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know um, one of the a couple of the human made um team have been using Bourbon and need on projects, and we've been t- talking internally, kind of going, hey, should we work out some kind of consistent grid? Because yeah, I use Foundation a lot of things just because it's so fast to get things done, but you. And other people you have used bourbon and neat, but if you're getting a dev jumping on a project to help out and uh, have they're new to something, then it's always like it it reduced like it's a longer time to get them up and running. Whereas yeah, if you get something consistent, obviously you any project you can jump on, you know how things work. So we're trying to trying to work out what's best. So after that I'm definitely keen to have a look at bourbon and neat. It sounds really cool.
1: Cool. Yeah. And the other thing too is a lot of Bourbon's tools like they have refills I think it's called there's something like that where you just pull it in to your code base again and it gives okay. you like tabs it automatically gives you like you know the accordion style kinda of stuff so you can just add these things as you see fit it's not like you're loading the whole thing you just yeah. load whatever you need to get into.
2: Wow that's cool yeah I found with um Foundation, we always end up doing like the selective imports just to try and keep the CSS at a minimum, but still it's, it is fairly bloated, um, but I know in their next version they have, reckon they have reduced the CSS code by, I think, 30 to 40%, which is pretty huge, so it be
0: interesting to have a look at Foundation 6. Jason, I heard you became a moderator on managedwp.org last week.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you sucked me into that one. <laughs> yeah, I guess for the new pro category, uh, Tom and I are going to be moderating the pro articles, which I guess are more, I guess they're articles that are ancillary to WordPress. So, like things like about PHP seven, let's say. You know, it's an article on PHP seven, um, and obviously it would affect WordPress, but there's no mention of WordPress or anything like that or it's a business article for freelancers that might be pertinent to you know obviously WordPress devs and designers and things like that so um, it's a new category that they opened up over there so it will be interesting to see the articles that are in there. Should be kinda cool I'm hoping that it
0: doesn't turn into this thing that's gonna need constant moderation because people are just gonna use it as a dumping ground for anything that's not WordPress related like I, I know the first day that it came out we saw one article get posted there and it was just a like a, a free image uh, website, like stock images and it's like this really isn't beneficial and all you did was paste the link, like there's nothing informational about it otherwise and I can go and paste 20 websites like that there and they all serve the same low non-informational purpose so like that seemed a little bit silly but like you mentioned things with PHP 7 or uh, integrations with third party APIs and A lot of Chris Lemma's articles are, you know, that kind of content where it's directly or indirectly beneficial to WordPress developers and the WordPress ecosystem, but not specifically telling you, like, oh, use this core function in WordPress to go and do something else, or here's a tutorial on how to, you know, change a post in your WP admin. So I think it might serve a good purpose in helping people level up a bit, so we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting.
0: So, did we get into specifics of how your talk actually went, other than you did a talk at
1: uh, WordCamp? Uh, um, I don't know. Well, I mean, it went well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it was it was quick. I guess it was maybe 20-25 minutes. Um, you know, it talked about productizing your WordPress service, so mm-hmm. it was definitely a business talk. And it was instead of it was kind of peaking people's interest on instead of becoming like a theme shop or a plug-in shop, you know, take your custom development or custom design and kind of wraps, wrap, you know, your custom work around systems, you know, so, um, and use systems to help you, you know, optimize your profits, so to speak. So um, it was good. Um, there's a lot of questions at the end as far as people coming up to me and kinda of ask asking me questions on they were kind of in various stages of their own business. So they were kinda of, you know, some people were asking me how do you how do you tailor and how do you market to a specific, you know, kind of client. Um and then other people were asking, you know, how do you find clients? You know, how do you package up these services in such a way so that, you know, people understand what you're doing if you're doing custom development work? How do you say that to somebody? You know, that kind of stuff. So it was interesting. It definitely, um, you know, seemed like people liked it. I got some good feedback, you know, on it. And we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll speak again.
0: Yeah, you have any others coming up this year?
1: Uh, any other word camps?
0: Yeah, no, not yet. How about meetups? You wanna? <laughs> Putting me <laughs> on the spot, huh? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We do the monthly Dev Hack Night meetup, so maybe something on bourbon and neat would fit in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that might be good. I'd cool. have to br- brush up on bourbon and neat again. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good thing, right? Yeah. Uh, if you can explain it to others, you you understand it better yourself, I think. True. Sure. Uh, so, did you have a pre lunch talk? Like it was before lunchtime.
1: Yeah, it was at ten. Ten fifteen, I guess it was. Yeah.
0: So what do you think? How was the energy level of the audience? You think they were hungry or they were, you know, content and
1: not in a food coma? No, I think they were good. Um, I think they were seemed at least, you know, energy wise. I mean seemed like everybody was awake, which was good. That's really all I cared about, I didn't want anybody's heads down on the table, so <laughs> yeah. if that was the case, then something's wrong, but other than that, you know, it was, seemed like the energy level was pretty good.
0: Cool. Yeah, it seems like some sometimes, depending on the camp and the people, like the Sunday talks in the morning can be a little interesting, depending on how hard people party the night before. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's what I was I was wondering about that, too, and I was kind of glad that it wasn't the 9 o'clock. Yeah. You know, if I was the 9 o'clock, maybe it would have been less people, but... Um, being 10 o'clock, I was like, okay, it's mid-morning, people are awake, they've had coffee maybe, you know, that kind of stuff, and um, the volunteer that was actually in there was saying that um, it was the largest group of people in that room that he saw, so um, so that was good. Thanks. Yeah,
0: when I was talking, my microphone ended up dying, and that was kind of interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> so I, I had, like, this wireless clip on mic, and then at one point, everyone in the audience started yelling at me that the mic died and then I just started you know yelling at them uh, to project and uh, then someone, well the MC was uh, my friend David who's actually like 20 feet away from me, uh, one of my coworkers, uh, he gave me the microphone that we use for the audience so then you know I just used that mic. They ended up replacing the battery in the other one but at that point it's like I gotta go and re-mic the lavalier and then you get all the... the buzz sound from it banging against your shirt, kind of like I was doing with my microphone before. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was cool. And then uh, question and answer time came around, and now we have the one microphone, so I'm just running back and forth down the aisle and stuff, and it was like I was Ricky Lake hosting a talk show or something. <laughs> 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 Ricky
1: Lake, jeez. It was nice.
0: I felt like I, I got an extra 500 steps on my Fitbit, you know. <laughs> all in all, it makes it a little bit more dynamic. Um, oh, Also, I was using uh, my mile which is like a, a wearable that measures the muscle impulses in your arm so it allows me to go and control my presentation with hand gestures so then I don't have to be like stuck behind the podium hitting the next arrow on my presentation. And I literally demapped everything except for the next button so that I didn't end up like flailing an arm and going back ten slides. <laughs> uh, it was kind of mixed results on that. But like it worked pretty well and then I think I walked a little too far away and then it disconnected, so then I had to run back and hit the next button again on the laptop. (laughs) So it it was cool and I I like changing things up a little bit and trying something out that's slightly different. And I feel like if I'm standing behind the podium the whole time, uh, because I'm stuck in one position I end up speaking a lot more monotone and if I can go and get away from there and flail a hand here and there then, you know, maybe a little bit more dynamic tonality-wise.
1: And you're not worried about, like, the tech not working like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: But <laughs> it makes things a little bit more fun and interesting. Yeah. So, like like when I walked away a little too far and it disconnected, yeah, that was tech not working, you know, but hey, we're at a tech conference and people are like, "Whoa, how is he making the thing move with his arm?" So, it becomes a conversation piece. What, what
1: what was the gesture?
0: It was a double tap with my fingers. Okay. Yeah, so it's something I'm unlikely to do when I when I'm just, you know, talking. Yeah, if you like go like that. Or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and that's a valid gesture, also you can do like a fist and an open for like zooming in and out and that kind of thing, so really I got cool. rid of all of those and just simplified it to, you know, one motion, but I did it uh, when I was in Columbus, and the majority of the
1: questions I ended up getting during the Q&A were about the device rather than the topic. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah. I a comment that the actual mic that they handed around was a lot clearer than the lavalier mic. So I, I just figured that that's probably just, in, you know, being it wireless, you know, or, you know, the amplifier that's in the, in the microphone itself. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was wearing a
0: T-shirt, too, and usually I wear a button-down, and I feel like you can get the lavalier in a much better position when you're doing it, like, you know, on the seam of the shirt rather than just, like, up your collar. So... That probably didn't help much when I still had batteries in my wireless lavalier mic, but whatever. You know, it all worked out in the end, and it was nice that we had two mics in the room, so that other one was there when we hit that failure, so.
1: That's cool. So you talking at anything, Bronson?
2: Um, yeah I'm actually flying down to Melbourne later in this month uh, to do a talk at their meetup down there it's been a while since I've been down there and one of my friends is having a birthday so I thought why not time it around the WordPress meetup <laughs> so yeah I'm gonna do a talk on um, John Blackmon's query monitor because um, I don't think many people use it as much as they should and it's a really handy cool a handy tool and there's a lot more stuff inside query monitor um, and John's even Trying to be in work, work try to work out a way to kind of rename it because it does a hell of a lot more than just monitoring WordPress queries. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so pretty, pretty keen to do that. And yeah, I use it a lot at work, and it's like Tom, you were saying before, when you actually give a talk, you just like you have that incentive to learn a little bit more, and you obviously have to do some good use cases. So me doing that will push me to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. You ever go and propose a talk on something you know almost nothing about? In order to force yourself to learn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think. Well, for me anyway, I need to be a little bit under pressure in order to make progress. Well, so consider
1: can you do your slides until like an hour before the talk, anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that, that's quite pressures. Pressure, whatever. Yeah, definitely a lot of pressure on that. Um, I was running around so much that I just didn't sit down to, like, do my slides and then it was like, oh, 20 minutes until stage time. Should probably iron this out. <laughs> so, I'm giving a talk on uh, being, have, creating, like, a productive environment, everything from, like, the space around you and your lifestyle and diet and whatever, all the way to dev tools and stuff, so I'm gonna be talking a bit about unit testing, which is something that I'm nowhere near as good at as I'd like to be, so I figure... I'll have to learn quite a bit about unit testing if I'm going to deliver a talk going over the topic. So That'll be my biggest learning for the month. Yeah, I
2: usually find I'll pick a to- topic that I think I know about, like, 80% of what I think's there to be learned, and then, yeah, learning that extra 20%, you'll find out that actually probably there's another 40% there that you didn't know about. So mm-hmm. That's what I think with Query Monitor. I'll learn a lot more while I'm doing this talk. Very How far hard.
0: away is Melbourne from you?
2: Um, it's, uh, I think, it a two-and-a-half-hour flight, so, I mean, for Australia, that's not far. Okay. <laughs> I know for you, you guys, that's like halfway across the country. It's Yeah, that's that's two states away for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think I sometimes forget how big of a place it is
2: over there.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And um, Jason, I think you actually did another podcast with Troy Dean, didn't you? Tell us a little bit about oh, that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. I hosted his 100th episode. Um, he, it was kind of funny though, uh, when he had me on the show. I don't remember the number. It was in the 80s somewhere, and uh, he asked, you know, his final question of who I wanted, you know, him to interview. So I kind of figured I was like, oh, I'll flip the script a little bit. I, don't, I haven't, you know, I, I, admittedly, I didn't listen to all 80 people before that, but I was like, I haven't heard somebody say him, you know him go on the show, so I did that. And then he kind of flipped the table around on me. He goes, well now I got to find somebody to host it. So you know, <laughs> I was like, all right, I guess I'll host it. <laughs> I can do that. So uh, yeah, it was fun. Um, you know we, it was funny too because uh, we had uh, several attempts to try to connect on doing it. Um, and then when we finally connected on doing it, uh, the recording didn't happen. So when he went to go, I guess, publish the post or whatever, he, I got an email the next morning saying, uh, I hate to do this, but can we re-record, or do you have a recording of the, of the call? <laughs> I'm like, no, I didn't record it, because I thought you were doing that. I asked you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, these things happen, and we just did it again, and it was a good time. You know, learned some stuff about Troy that I didn't know about. didn't know he was a, uh, as much of a, a voiceover guy as he was, or is, yeah. or... You know, and he's saying you know.
2: Sings the Capri jingle as well.
1: I found that out <laughs> through his LinkedIn profile, and I had no idea. <laughs> I was like, okay, I gotta find out about this. <laughs> so it was good. You know, it's you know, it's, it's always good to see see like you know other sides of people. You know, like I, it's funny because like you know in this community, you know you, you know who the developers are, you know who the designers are, or the business people. You know, it's always interest. I find it interesting to you know, understand a little bit more of what they like, you know, who they are as a people, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, that type of stuff interests me. So it was a good time. Yeah. Cool.
0: Unfortunately, I kind of have to bolt within the next couple of minutes. But uh, cool. don't let that stop you guys from uh, <laughs> enjoying your time together. <laughs> I think we're pretty pretty much covered yeah. what we had in the show nights.
1: Yeah, I think but that I was... Rec- a- a good wrap-up. I mean, I think yep. we, you know, we had a, a big hiatus, you know, it was several months, so hopefully we can get back on. We were doing that every Monday, and it was actually working yeah. out very good. I had people at WordCamp asking me what was going on with the show, too, so yeah. we definitely appreciate all the audience members out there that are tuning in and staying with us through our irregularity, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, you know, we definitely appreciate that. Cool.
0: Yeah, totally
2: yeah we'll can. try and try and line up someone during the week for um, next week and keep the ball rolling.
1: And I think if
0: anyone has any suggestions on things that they really want to hear about on next week's podcast, you know, let us know on Twitter or elsewhere on the Internet universe and uh, maybe we can go and incorporate that next week.
1: Yeah, totally. I'm up for it.
2: Cool. cool. Do, you to, do you want to do the
1: wrap-up, Jason? Sure. So, um, Bronson, where can people reach out and say thanks?
2: Oh, um, they can find me on Twitter um, at BronsonQuick or one word. Um, yep, that's me.
1: Tom, where can people reach you at? Reach out and say thanks? No, don't talk to me. Uh, <laughs> totally kidding.
0: Uh, Tom Harrigan on Twitter is probably the best way to ever get in touch with me, more so than
1: email. Awesome. And at um, Rez on Twitter, or at WP DevTable also. Um, and want to thank everybody for tuning in. And we're going to get the show up next week And if you want to find out when we actually publish, uh, go to WPDevTable.com slash subscribe. And uh, please remember to share, like, subscribe, do all the Twitters and Instagrams and all the interweb stuff out there. And uh, if you're a first-timer, definitely check out our past shows and uh, get your dev on. Cool. See you guys next week.
0: Catch you later.